You can't replace part of the brain. Like, you treat them the same. The source of truth for the medtech industry. Coexists with the province. Robot understands things automatically. Number one show in the medtech industry. So Stryker got ahead of that and changed in the 90s, built a billion dollar company that helped a pie, a lot of things. State of medtech with your host, Omar M. Khatib. Welcome back to the show, everybody. As I pour myself a nice cup of coffee, we're going to need it today. We're going to do a review of key takeaways and learnings from JP Morgan Healthcare. For those of you who don't know, for whatever reason, either you're uninformed or perhaps living under a rock, that's okay. That's why you're listening to this show. JP Morgan Healthcare is our industry's largest healthcare investment conference. There's about something, I think, 30,000, 40,000 people, maybe even more, who all descend onto South San Francisco once a year. Uh, in January. And we're not just talking about med device, med tech. We're also talking about biopharma, biotech, pharma, health tech, everything. Um, and it's a whole week where the conference is really the entire city. Um, you know, JP Morgan hosts its main conference at the West End. You have to have a ticket to get in. Usually um, you are banking through them or about to go public. But then uh, the, the whole city has all these different events going on. Uh, co- coffee houses are uh, packed with investment bankers, medtech CEOs, people trying to raise money. It's just wild. Now, quick side note and shameless plug, by the way, not a sponsored plug. I just want to be clear. Um, notice how I said our in, uh, healthcare's largest investor conference. I did not say the best investor conference. The best investor conference, which I will not, this is a hill I'm willing to die on, is LSI's Emerging MedTech Summit, which happens one in Europe, one in the USA. The USA is the flagship one. That is happening this March uh, in the beautiful Dana Point, as always, at the historic, luxurious Waldorf Astoria uh, Monarch Beach Resort. Um, it is a week long, Monday through Friday. I will be there as always. Um, and you got 250 to 300 presenting startups. They're having to turn people away now because the, you know, the, the events become so popular. So 250 to 300 really exciting medtech startups presenting, uh, in, I think six to seven minute slots in between there, you have amazing panels with venture capitalists, strategics, uh, Henry Peck, Scott Pantel, and the team do there do such a phenomenal job putting together panels. I, I I know I brag about it a lot. It's almost become like a tick where I'm like, LSI is so great. But it's literally the only conference where every year, um, not only do I uh, carve out budget for that uh, meeting, you know, from my from my travel travel budget, uh, but it's the only thing I really look forward to. Like I love that meeting. It is so magical. It's, it's five days. I think four four and a half five days long. It's amazing. If you're an emerging med tech leader, um, you know, founder, start, you have to be there. And, you know, there are some people uh, who are not an entrepreneur or founder, but they're still buying tickets to go attend it. I highly recommend it just because, look, for for the qu- caliber of people you meet, I mean, you'll see big name CEOs walking around, uh, investors. It's amazing. So if you end up going there, it's your first time, be sure to look me up. Let me know. Uh, I think you can look, you can learn more by going to their website. Just Google LSI USA 2024 happens in March. Now let's get to JP Morgan. So last year, last year was interesting because um, JP Morgan last year was literally like a monsoon. It was raining hard all week long, like really bad. And uh, after the event, I had a chairman and a C, a chairman of uh, Sophie Nova Ventures, Antoine Papernick, on the show. And he uh, had a very good prediction where he said he felt like that was kind of a metaphorical 
prediction for how the year is going to be for MedTech. And he is absolutely right in, in the sense that last year was a tough year for our industry in terms of investments and everything. So let's let's kind of do a quick touch on that before we get into the news and some of my takeaways from JP Morgan 2024. And so let me share my screen. For those of you who are watching on Spotify and YouTube, you can enjoy uh, looking at this report. If you're not in any of those, I'm sorry, you're going to have to just listen to my voice. Um, but we're going to be using, as soon as it comes up here on the screen, uh, HSBC Venture Healthcare Report. At any moment now, it's going to come up. And so uh, HSBC is a, is a, is a bank. Uh, they do this innovation bank analysis on their 2023 year-end recap at 2024 outlook. And so if we look at it, and here's their team, quick shout out to the contributing author, authors. If we kind of go to uh, you know 2023 in, in VC investment in healthcare, um, Biopharma had $22.9 billion with 613 deals. Uh, Diagnostics and Tools had $6.2 billion and 423 deals. Uh, Med device had seven point seven seven billion dollars of deals with four hundred and seventy four deals, and then health tech had ten point six billion dollars deployed with seven hundred and fifteen deals, with a grand total of four hundred and sixty forty six point seven billion dollars for total investments in twenty twenty three, which is two thousand two hundred and twenty five deals. Now the big thing about this is. Um, you know, it was it was essentially venture investments in healthcare saw a twenty eight percent decrease from twenty twenty two, and a fifty three percent decrease from twenty twenty one. Nevertheless, uh, they feel that twenty twenty four is going to be a better year, and they also mentioned that this year's pace for both dollars and deals remain consistent with the second half of twenty twenty two, marking the onset of the current downturn, unfortunately. Um, Key drivers for investment decline, number one, was increased prevalence of add-on and insider rounds compared to new investor-led financing. What that essentially means is that um, when companies are raising money, they're not able to attract new investors. And so that's, in my opinion, not a good sign because when you can't attract new investors, you you go to your current investors and say, hey, look, for us to keep going, we need to raise more money internally and there's a bias towards that because if you're an investor and you've already put some money into a company, you know, shelling out more, not because you want to, but because of the fact that you're like, hey, this is what I got to do to make sure the investment uh, makes it is one thing. The other thing is a drop in large $200 million financing. So in 2023, there were only 25 deals of $200 million plus that took place uh, versus 50, 50 uh, per year over the past few years. Later stage deal sizes trended smaller in 2023. And as uh, multiple well-funded deals opted for insider rounds, they used the additional cash uh, burnout uh, burn to try and catch up to a very ambitious last round valuations from 2020 to 2021. And you know, I think that was the thing that we saw from COVID was that a lot of money got shoveled in and we're not seeing a return on that. And so 2023 was just a tough year. Let's jump to uh, MedDevice. And so for MedDevice, if we look at the activity um, compared to previous years, so this is annualized 2023 investment versus previous years. Um, we were down 19% compared to 2022, down 25% compared to 2021. Not the best year. Um, overall investments held steady 
but there's an anticipation of consolidation and financing challenges in 2024. A uh, couple of other, other interesting things I want to highlight before we move on. Um, the largest deals in med device. Okay, so the largest deals in med device from uh, 2023 was, dun, 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 dun. Uh, let's start with the number two. Number two was CMR Surgical, which is a surgical robotics company at $165 million. Uh, behind them was Distal Motion at $153 million, another surgical robotics company. It takes a lot of money to take, take a robot to market. But as you can see down here, and let me, let me blow this up a little bit, uh, the largest deal. So number two was $165 million. At uh, almost double that amount, the largest deal in med device for 2023 was Neuralink. That's Elon Musk's uh, brain-computer interface company at $323 million. Okay, interesting stuff. Um, all the usual uh, suspects when it comes to uh, our, our um, uh, most active investors, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, all investors, uh, the European Innovation Council, the EU, were most most active. Shang Bay also up there. Shang Bay's been doing some really interesting stuff. Um, and on the corporate side, um, not a lot of corporate deals. Johnson Johnson and Varia were tied for three deals. Um, so yeah, not a lot going on in 2022. Hopefully, we see more. Um, let's uh, let's jump down here to our outlook for uh, 2024. Again, this is courtesy of HSBC. Uh, and I'm sure the folks from HSBC, I know the HSBC folks follow my show. I should have you guys on my on my show sometimes. It'll be much better. So overall, in general, uh, HSBC says that we expect the current downturn to extend into 2024. Nevertheless, we anticipate top healthcare companies will secure large investment rounds at robust step-up valuations, experience exits with noteworthy M&A deal values, and witness opportunistic yet limited IPOs. Most VCs possess substantial new capital available for future investments, and growth investors are expected to become active once again. We predict stable or slightly decreased first financing activity compared to, to, uh, compared to uh, H2 2023, as investors will continue to prioritize in insider financing for existing portfolio companies and opportunistically invest in later stage new deals at revised valuations. The upcoming year will be crucial phase in this downturn as many companies must secure new investor-led rounds or face tough consequences. So valuation resets are expected to be widespread. However, the key question in 2024 will be whether the prevalent insider rounds from 2022 and 2023 provide enough runway for companies to reach value creation event that justifies new investments. Okay. Um, and then lastly, let's just cover real quick while we're on the topic here of med device. So on the med device side, they say we project first financing activity to involve a combination of smaller 510k deals suitable for corporate M&A and larger market PMA focused uh, deals that will likely have corporate investment from the outset. Imaging companies utilizing hardware and software solutions and NeuroStim technologies are expected to remain active areas of investment. Uh, quick note, Neuro kind of led the investment and investments in med device in 2023. 2024 will be a challenging year for many mid-stage companies that have depleted their insider rounds and find limited interest from new investors. Contrastingly, 
companies involved in later stage pivotal trials and commercialization deals with strong markets and clinical data slash approval are expected to secure a mix of traditional VC and growth funds. The deal value increase in private M&A has started to reinvigorate the later stage scene. Recent uh, cases of early stage deals achieving rapid large exits and later stage valuation resets that later result in robust M&A deals, uh, M&A deal values have helped bring investors back to the table. So good overall report from HSBC. Thanks to the folks who, who put this together. Now let's talk about what I saw and uh, big shout out uh, and for reference, JP Morgan's a huge conference. I can't be everywhere at once. Um, so part of this is some of my notes, uh, some of my observations, but also I've pulled from some of my uh, peers and colleagues. So I want to give a little shout out to a couple people. Uh, one is uh, the folks over at Mass Device, specifically Sean Woolley did a nice review of the, of, of the event. We're also going to give a shout out to Connor Hale over at Fierce Biotech. Um, and then finally, uh, let's see, Damien Gard, Allison DeAngelis, Adam Feuerstein, and Matthew Herper over at STAT and over at uh, Chemical and Engineering News, uh, Rowan Walrath. So I, you know, oh, and uh, f- f- how can I forget, of course, uh, the biospace editorial staff, you know, so they they had some really nice notes and, and some interesting takes that I like to uh, uh, cover. So, but those are my uh, quote unquote references. Okay, let's get into it. So the first thing, first thing I want to cover is uh, Boston, Boston Scientific. Okay. And what is Boston Scientific doing? Well, on Monday, Boston Scientific made a very strategic move. And I think very well timed one to kind of make a point at JP Morgan by essentially acquiring sacral neuromodulation uh, company Axonics for 3.7 billion. That acquisition marks a very significant step in expanding their urology portfolio and competing in the pulsed field ablation uh, uh, space. So what's interesting about this is that, that is that it's it's really starting, you know, Boston Scientific is really starting to position themselves in this market and they, they see it as a sort of unrepresented opportunity and supposedly it's expected that market expected to double by 2028. So Axonics sales, they grew about 34% in 2023, reached about 366 million. And then Boston Scientific is poised to make a significant impact in the treatment of the urinary and incontinence space. Why is that interesting? Well, that shows that they're really aiming to challenge Medtronic in the pulse field ablation market. So while Medtronic secured the first FDA approval for this atrial atrial fibrillation procedure, Boston Scientific is not far behind having launched pivotal trial of its Ferripulse hardware. Uh, The expected U.S. approval is in early 2024. And so it's interesting to see that level of M&A opportunity. Now, let's go to Medtronic. What does Medtronic uh, news look like? Well, Medtronic decided to focus on earnings power while shifting its operational setup. So their uh, chair and CEO, Jeff Martha, had a presentation centered on profits for the medtech jump for, for, for them. He said that their top priority is restoring their earnings power full stop. We continue to be this mission-driven company that you know Medtronic to be and our customers and patients no Medtronic to be, but at the same time, performance driven, you got to be both. It's not just one or the other, no margin, no mission. Uh, Martha also highlighted 
uh, cardiac ablation, diabetes, structural heart as the company's highest growth opportunities. Okay, this includes pulse field ablation, automated insulin delivery, and TAVR among the other offerings. And I think it's very interesting that like it's almost like Boston Scientific read between the lines of the earnings report and knew that he was going to talk about pulse field ablation and just decided to just. Yeah, I'm not sure what day Martha presented, but just on Monday, the start of JPM was, you know, Boston Psy acquiring Axonics for $3.7 billion. That was exciting to see. Now, personally, while that sounds like a transformational deal, because anytime we see something in, in, in the billions, we're like transformational deal. I feel like that's actually more of a tuck and deal. It's just a really big tuck and deal. What I mean by that is that this tucks into their core uh, one of their core offerings and something that they're starting to grow versus if Boston Scientific made some acquisition of some new technology that allows them to move into a new space, that's more of a transformational deal, in my opinion. Um, Jeff Martha also announced the creation of the Medtronic AI Center of Excellence. It marks an effort to leverage common artificial intelligence platforms across the company's portfolio like Met's, Medtronic's endoscopy GI Genius. Ultimately, executives are bullish about the future of Medtronic. Um, well, yeah, who, you know, who would, who wouldn't be, I mean, you know, I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to read a press report. It's like, well, the execs at XYZ company aren't bullish about the future. Um, so Martha said, we're feeling really good. It all starts with innovation and growth and having a $32 billion revenue company growing mid single digits powered by innovation. I think that's a pretty good thing. We believe that growth is durable and we're driving the earnings power. Um, Martha also offers some details on Medtronic's efforts to leverage its buying power and improve efficiency, which also included news about, uh, you know, they had some manufacturer site closures, distribution center consolidations, and other operations supply chain initiatives. Now, just a side note, because I happen to notice it, right? Here's here's something that's worth, like, just worth, uh, uh, you know, touching on for a second, which is... Medtronic, how many products does Medtronic have? Looks like it pops up. Medtronic has thousands of products. Where is Omar going with this? Okay. So Medtronic's market cap, let's see, it's somewhere here. Here we go. 116.24 billion. All right. I want you to remember that. 116.24 billion. I was just told the other day this, and I, I was like, bull, that, that's not true. Intuitive. Look, yeah, it's gone up since. Intuitive, Intuitive Surgical, the company that has like what two products, the Da Vinci and Ion, you know, not counting like I guess some of their disposables, okay, has a market cap of 128 billion. Intuitive is Intuitive is is bigger than Medtronic. This is crazy. This is madness. Who would have ever thought? Would you Would you have ever guessed that there'd be a day where Intuitive Surgical has a larger market cap than Medtronic? I mean, this this is bananas. Wild, wild times, my friend. Another another thing that kind of came out, um, Abbott, Abbott, you know, really, uh, Abbott's really going hard at its continuous glucose monitor sector. Their CEO, Robert, Robert Ford's presentation um, highlighted the success of the company's key diabetes off offering, which their product is the Freestyle Libre. Okay. Um, and they feel like the Libre is definitely the most successful medtech product in history, at least in terms of revenue. Um, that I'm not that I did not know. So in terms of revenue, I guess I guess it is. So the company targeted the mass market. He said reaching more than five million people who now use Libra around the world. That includes two million in the U.S. And he sees this as an opportunity uh, still. 
We have just begun to scratch the surface, and there are several new growth opportunities for us on the horizon. Uh, Medicare reimbursement and other broadened coverage only helps, while the company also now has Libre connected to automated insulin pumps. Um, this new opportunity is a result of several collaboration agreements we have with the leading insulin pump manufacturers, and this is an exciting new development for those who choose to receive their insulin through a wearable pump. Now, I'm going to make a little inter- little prediction here. So the uh, company that's really known for the continuous glucose monitor, at least like pioneering is Dexcom. I don't know. I guess if Libre is, is the leading one. What I think is interesting about the continuous glucose monitoring is that it's – and this is just scratching the surface. It's not like – uh, I don't think it's uh, statistically significant yet, but a lot of consumers are starting to look into using consumer uh, continuous glucose monitoring. You have companies like Nutrisense. Um, there's another company called, I think, um, Levels, where you know you pay 200, 250 bucks a month at cash, and they have an app, but then they send you a continuous glucose monitor. You have a choice between the Dexcom and the Libre. I think a lot of people prefer the Dexcom. Um, just because of the app, but that's one area of interest that I think is going to be interesting to see grow. And this is why I think our space is so exciting is that now there's this more, there's more like consumer interest in terms of healthcare devices, et cetera. And that's what's sort of, I think one of the factors bringing in companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, even me, I'm actually thinking about getting a continuous glucose monitor because I, I just like to know, like, what are the impacts of things I eat now? That being said, let's talk about Dexcom. Dexcom does have a new sensor. Um, their CEO, Kevin Sayers, said, uh, unveiled at the at JP Morgan the company's new product, the Stello Stensor. So the company designed Stello specifically for people with type 2 diabetes who do not use insulin. Very interesting, right? So we talk about um, Abbott and Lieber talk, uh, focusing on more partnerships with insulin manufacturers. This one is for people who do not use insulin. So Stello has a 15-day wear time with a cash pay option. Remember I said that about the consumer interest? It features a software experience tailored specifically for non-insulin users. Okay, why is that? The reason why is because just like what I said, there are people like me, I don't have I don't have diabetes, but who have an interest in paying cash to kind of learn more about their about their body and everything. I think that maybe that this is a trend we start to see more, which is people start deciding to pay um uh, lower p- premiums with higher deductibles, but then do cash pay to manage their health a lot more proactively. Um, uh, Dexcom CEO said, our mission is to empower people to control health, and this is the first step along that journey. Sarah told Drug Delivery Business News, we'll always be very active in the insulin-using world. That is our core business. Those are our core customers and really the people that have gone with us on this journey. We're never going to abandon that. We'll continue to advance and enhance our technologies here, but we just think glucose can be such a vital sign for other people who want to control their health. I absolutely agree with that. The company launched uh, expects to launch Stello in the U.S. Uh, in the summer of 2024. Um, and if uh, Mr. Sayer is listening to the show, there's a high possibility Hit me up. I'd love to have you on the show, but uh, also send me a Stello. I, I haven't committed to any any uh, uh, continuous glucose monitor yet. Um, he went on to uh, Jake Leaks. Jake Leach, the Dexcom EVP and COO, said understanding glucose levels is key, is the key to under, unlocking our metabolic health, and this will help uh, users see firsthand how their health is affected by factors such as diet, exercise, sleep, and stress. Okay. Um, and so this is, this is an interesting move for a device company because 
if you think about this, hypothetically, this is a device company's move into what? Consumer health. And so while uh, Abbott with Libre is, you know, focusing on establishing stronger partnerships with insulin companies, et cetera, which is more on the pathology side, Dexcom with the launch of Stello is making a bet on consumer health, not pathological health. And what that means by is people willing to pay cash to have a more proactive approach with their diets. And I think a great example of that is, you know, many of you, uh, like me, you use a Whoop device or a Fitbit or an O-ring or an Apple Watch to monitor your sleep and everything. So all this access to data has made consumers more interested in their health. So that'll be an interesting thing to go. Now, next thing, J&J. Uh, &J. We haven't talked about J&J. &J. So Johnson Johnson, as you know, spun off their MedTech division. So it's been a very interesting year for Johnson Johnson MedTech as their unit starts really a new era under new leadership. Okay. Uh, I remember posting about it uh, towards the end of Q4, and it was really interesting. So longtime J&J MedTech chair Ashley McAvoy announced her resignation in October with Tim Schmidt taking over the reins. By the way, that was kind of interesting because I ran into Ashley at uh, AdvaMed. I was talking to her. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it's been a long time. We got to have you on the show. And she she kind of had this look on her face. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to be on the show. Like, here's my email. And uh, like, you know, go ahead and send, send me an email. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then literally a couple weeks later, this announcement was made. I was like, oh, that's why. Got it. So the for J&J MedTech, they, the, uh, the company reports significant progress as CEO Joaquin Duato outlined at JP Morgan. So in his presentation, again, all these presentations, you can you can uh, see the transcriptions of them in Seeking Alpha. Alpha. Um, so he pointed out some of the major recent development timelines of J&J, which includes um, the much anticipated, and I say that in air quotes, much anticipated uh, Otava surgical robot. Um, you know, the company said it, it plans to submit uh, Otava for FDA investigation um, device exemption or IDE this year. The reason why I say that in air quotes is that personally, you know, J&J acquired uh, Verb Surgical and then Oris, okay, two completely different robotics companies, and then tried to essentially merge them together. Um, and it, it didn't go well. They had some, they had some phenomenal leadership who all left within a matter of like, I don't know, six months. And they had a full year head start to take the new Oris uh, platform to market and intuitive cleaned their clock. Like, it, you know, <laughs> I don't know how else to say this. Um, and so I don't know, you know, I think more and more uh, when we see these robotic companies trying to compete directly with intuitive, like you're just going to lose, like you need to come up with a completely different Technolo technology platform, technology model, different business model, something. You can't just compete directly with Intuitive. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see what they do with Otava. Um, Duato also highlighted, again, theme here, pulse field ablation with the company completing a study for its uh, Vera pulse catheter. So last month at the Investor Day, uh, at an Investor Day event, Duato outlined how he expects new products to fuel growth of the company. Vitally, though, uh, he also pointed out that the company's M&A activity has uh, as a big driving factor. So 
uh, integration for its $16.6 billion acquisition of Abumed continues, um, you know, and is running ahead of J&J projections. Uh, the one thing that we don't uh, realize that, again, at that level, that's a transformational deal. Um, these things take time. You know, when Mako was acquired by uh, Stryker in 2011, 2012, you know, that took like a solid six to eight years to you know, really integrate and figure out, like, how do we make this all work? It's working great for them, by the way, now. Um, and then Duato also uh, shared that, you know, the company's going to be focusing more on cardiology, especially like interventional uh, car uh, cardiology. There is a recent acquisition of Laminar, uh, which propels J&J into the left atrial appendage market as well. And so for him, you know, he said it was a good good year of growth uh uh, from a from a good year from a growth perspective and also from strategic perspective, when it comes to overall 2023 at this point, you know I feel very confident that we're going to be able to deliver on the guidance that we provided. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, and now just a couple other other areas I want to make sure that we that we cover. Um, you know, kind of rounding out like this this news about um, you know continuous glucose monitoring everything. Uh, and we can't do that without mentioning at least one insulin company. So Omnipod 5 is on a roll at Insulet per the folks over at Mass Device. So Insulet president and CEO Jim Hollingshead um, presented at the conference. And in the, his presentation, he highlighted Insulet's progress, which includes Omnipod 5 automated insulin delivery system, uh, very cleverly. Uh, abbreviated to aid system. According to Insult, Omni 5 was number one in the US new customer um, starts for the company as users continue to gravitate towards the market leading patch pump system. The patch pump space is an interesting one. Um, Medtronic had plans to buy uh, EOFlow, uh, which would put the company against insulin in the market, but that deal fell through uh, in, in December. And then Tandem Diabetes Care also has a new patch pump that won FDA clearance uh, last year. Embecta earlier this week, uh, or last week rather, uh, submitted its own patch pump, which targets type 2 diabetes rather than type 1 population catered by, to by insulin uh, to the FDA, which again, in my opinion, is smart. The dumb thing you should do, like take a note of this, my friends. If you guys want to, you know, you want a little bit of startup 101 advice, go for blue oceans. The way you lose is to say, hey, we're going to go into this existing market with a category king and play by their rules and just try and do things better. You're going to lose every single time. You have to go to new markets, otherwise known as blue oceans, and try and create and own your own category there. That's like million-dollar marketing advice. Like just be different, right? Why do you think Apple's whole <laughs> whole thing was think different? Like. That's a great example of it. Like, don't go and compete one-on-one -on -one with people. Like, if Apple decided to go into the Android market and compete one-on-one -on, -one on features, you know, like, they would they would have lost, right? Um, so, uh, rounding this out, so Hollingshead outlined plans to expand Omnipod 5 platform through U.S. Ghost, uh, international launches, and continuous glucose monitoring compatibility expansions, and iOS phone control. Um, and so, it's interesting just to see this, uh, you know, that as the... As healthcare starts to diversify itself, you, you start to see less M&A &A activity like we did like in the 90s and 2000s and more of these like partnerships, which I think is indicative of what Steve Case of AOL wrote about, I think, 10 years ago uh, in his book, The Third Wave, which is the third wave of technology is really focused about partnerships.
because you know, the world is just so much more complex and, and, and competitive, you really need partnerships to kind of go far. Now, last couple of uh, uh, things on the MedTech side I want to cover um, is our friends over at Shockwave. You know, so Shockwave uh, is a company that really got a lot of interest in the last couple of years with some major medtech companies rumored to be circling on the acquisition front. It did not happen. Um, so as that, you know, those rumors continue to circulate, uh, their uh, uh, company has continued to sort of innovate and grow. Uh, at JP Morgan, their president CEO, Doug Goodshaw, uh, explained where the company's priorities lie as it looks to continue its growth in 2024. So, um, their whole thing is that they're trying to establish themselves as the premier medtech growth company by transforming treatment of poorly served patient populations with paradigm shifting or paradigm changing technologies. So uh, they have a front of uh, uh, they what they have in front of them is a $14 billion opportunity, and they look to simplify procedures, optimize outcomes and validate technologies through clinical evidence generation. And so at the heart of his presentation was product launches. The company now expects to launch two or three products per year, which is really, it's really a lot. It's impressive, uh, but also com committing to global expansion efforts. They uh, continue to kick out new products. That's going to enable them to maintain growth for uh, the end of the decade. And so for Goodshaw, his question is like, how are we going to keep going? We're going to going, we're going to increase penetration with new products and expand the treatable pool of populations, continue to improve customer economics, and also invest in clinical data. All right. So really interesting. Those are sort of the big highlights from, from the med tech side. Um, and, you know, as I, as I kind of hop around here, you know, I think probably the most interesting thing is just, um, you know, one is the world of continuous glucose monitoring, the, the innovation and investments being made in there. And I'm wondering if there's going to be some interesting innova uh, investments in the health tech side as these continuous glucose monitors uh, start partnering with some of these more consumer savvy companies like Nutrisense and Levels, right? Um, another thing, um, just to kind of round things out here, um, First of all, like uh, of all the presentations, the one which I'll get to in a moment, the one that had the most talk was NVIDIA's presentation. But a couple more things. One is GE Healthcare signed a deal to acquire the AI developer MIM Software, which is a provider of medical imaging analysis programs for radiation oncology, theranostics, molecular radiation therapy, and urology. Um, they're based out of Ohio. And their portfolio includes systems for integrating diagnostic images from multiple modalities into treatment plans, automating repetitive manual tasks, and providing assistance in nuclear medicine, contouring, and dosimetry. Um, and onto the the uh, NVIDIA presentation. So NVIDIA's ambitions in computer-led drug development uh, are really coming into focus. Uh, they have a collaboration with Amgen's Decode, which will help power its genomics-based uh, foundation models. But then also on the other side, they're going to be focusing on uh, programming from recursion pharmaceuticals, which is going to be added to their um, – this is such a terrible name, I think. It's BioNemo, BioNemo Generative AI Platform. Uh, the CEO from Recursion says that they think that this is going to become as big and as exciting as genomics, um, as, he, as he sort of described the AI system, which is designed to translate cellular in images into research findings on biological processes, which the companies aim to offer app as a service to the wider biopharma industry. Um, I think that's really ex exciting, just as, you know, 
a lot of these AI-based companies that are focused on drug discovery, this is kind of like on um, cell and pathology discovery, right? So that'll be really interesting, you know, to see. And it's kind of exciting because, like, this is this is sort of like an innovation well for biopharma. And it, you know, seeing stuff like this, we don't really have stuff like this in med tech, and it kind of shows why you know, biopharma just has an ungodly amount of investments and acquisitions. I mean, you know, for like billion dollar exits, I can think of a handful of them uh, last year uh, in med tech. But if you look at biopharma, I mean, there, there were a lot, there are a lot. And, you know, I think this is, you know, a, 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 one of the issues in med tech is to have a multi-billion dollar uh, exit, right? Um, a lot of these companies got to raise a lot of money. They got to raise hundreds of millions of dollars What's the average raise for a med tech company? It's usually less than 50 mil, you know, um, total. So th those are the things that we have to sort of figure out a way to overcome. Uh, one idea, if you want to, uh, if you want to quote me on this show, one of the ideas I have of how do we, how do we change that is we got to find new money beyond just VC. And I'm hoping through my show that I can promote and market our industry to the wealthiest families, family offices, and individuals around the world uh, with my case, which is you may not get a 5X, 10X, 20X return on your investment like you do see in software, um, but you can put your money towards a social good and really move humanity forward, right? No offense to the SaaS providers for marketing and sales intelligence, all those very, very important things, but you know, I feel like uh, we should be f having a conversation as to how we fund more uh, innovation and research in the medical world and device world, you know, um, because if you think about it, uh, anytime things really go wrong for you, you're going to get uh, some intervention with the device, whether it's surgery and implant or something, you know, so, but we'll see a uh, few more things as we kind of round, th round things out. There's again, a lot of news. You know, there's so much news that I, you know to cover on here. I'm actually having um, Scott Hunnikins, who's investor and, and 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 board member, coming on the show soon to talk about J.P. Morgan. Um, but let's see if I can kind of round out, like um, you know, uh, we're gonna round out this this uh, segment today with uh, you know some some notes I have on on pharma and then biotech. So on the pharma side. Um, again, and again, this is sort of med device, med tech, but uh, Abbott and Dexcom with their continuous glucose monitoring innovate, uh, integration. So Abbott's teaming up with Tandem to integrate its Freestyle Libre. Uh, Dexcom is trying to celebrate you know, the, their billion-dollar quarter and, again, launch Stella, which I think is really interesting. So hopefully I can get some of those people on my show. And on the biotech side, um, you know, I think the the big thing in biotech is a lot of investment in AI for cell discovery, drug discovery, um, and and seeing how Nvidia starts to invest in this world is going to be fascinating. And just finishing things out, you know, I'm I'm going to take a second just to kind of talk about what I see for our industry for this year. I think, you know, if you think about what's going on in the world today, um, we have. You know, a few wars going on. It's an election year, um, and we're kind of trying to come out of 2023, which was a down year for investments. Um, I think 
I don't think it's going to be different this year. I think maybe we'll have a little bit of improvement in investments this year because, you know, these a lot of these uh, VC firms have capital they have to deploy. They've been given money, they have to deploy it. And like the valuations uh, are not going to get any better than this, I think, you know. Um, plus, like right now, it's money is really expensive. You know, like uh, the Federal Reserve is like, what, it's six or 7%. But, you know, uh, interest rates are going to be cut this year, according to the Federal Reserve. It's going to make money a lot more affordable and hopefully uh, add different alternatives for, for companies to raise money to get money that they need. Um, I think it'd be an interesting year for the acquisitions. I think we're going to, we're underestimating it. I think they're going to see a lot more acquisitions than normal this year, mainly because we see a lot of these med tech uh, giants like J&J, 3M, uh, so on and so forth. Like they spun out their, their med tech divisions. And so when you start seeing these spin outs, um, there's a lot more, there are, it, it allows these companies to be a lot more nimble in terms of how they move and make decisions. But at the same time, they still have the remnants and DNA of a larger company, which means that if they see something shiny that they like that makes sense for them, uh, better to acquire your way into a strong position in the market than to innovate because, you know, acquiring your way through, it takes, a, you know, it's, it's a lot, a lot easier, um, although it has its own problems. So I think it'll be an interesting year for us. Um, I don't think... I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be better. Uh, I think I think it will be better than 2023. So I'll, I'll I'll take that position myself. Is that in terms of investments, it'll be a little bit better than last year, not by a whole lot. I think the M and A activity is going to be a lot bigger. A lot there will be a lot more M and A activity than we we expected. I think the uh, Axonics acquisition is one thing, um, and so we'll see. So with that being said, um, let me know your thoughts on this. Uh, we covered I covered as much as I could. Uh, leave your comments below on YouTube and Spotify. Give me some feedback and uh, be on the lookout. We'll have Scott Hunnikins on the show to kind of cover more of this. And I might have a couple other people as well, just to kind of dive deeper into this. So with that being said, there's been another episode of the state of med tech. I'm your host, Omar TV. You got, you know what I'm going to say, subscribe, give us a rating and share this with a friend. And as always, we'll see you next time. Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of The State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has a executive that you'd like to be on the show or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at Take care and we'll see you next time.